Yes, people, welcome back to Process, a podcast by me, Brendan Pearson. So, another guest episode for you today. Today, we are joined by Andrew Goodlad, all the way from the Shetland Islands. Andrew is a bodybuilder slash PT and online coach. It was great to have Andrew on the podcast today, talking about loads of things about his, obviously, journey into bodybuilding and how he kind of got started into that. We talk a bit about some of the newbie mistakes that a lot of gym goers do make right at the start of their journey. We made a lot of them ourselves. We talk a bit about Andrew's journey at university, how he almost got to the point where he had an eating disorder. He was around 59 kilograms at around six foot three. And now he's up to the point where he's 100 plus kilograms bodybuilding. His eating health habits are back to normal and he's eating over 5,000 calories in the off season. So we talk a bit about that. His early role models and then also a bit about bulking tips for anybody who wants to put on a bit of muscle. Some of the common mistakes and misconceptions about that. So overall a good topic to do with bodybuilding and as well wanting to put on a bit of size. So if you're interested in that sort of thing this podcast is definitely for you. Also forgot to mention, me and Andrew do dive into a bit about how to deal with being tall and training. So we are both over six foot three. Andrew's six foot three and I'm six foot five. So we both have trouble with certain movements like squat and bench press. So we talk a little bit about that. So if you are a taller lad or a taller girl, then this might be interesting for you as well. So loads of topics to talk about. We'll get on with the episode. This is Process. Right, welcome back to Process the Podcast. Today we are joined by another guest. We've got Andrew Goodlad, all the way from the Shetland Islands, out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> thanks for coming on, mate. <laughs> no worries. So, in fact, I'll let you introduce yourself, kind of what you do, um, what you're doing at the minute, obviously during lockdown and stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm Andrew, I'm 22, and as you said, I'm from a place called Shetland, so it's like a group of islands, like right in the north of Scotland, so middle of nowhere, really. <laughs> and basically, I do like online coaching and one-to-one personal training, but I'm quite new to it, like, so as you know, it takes quite a while to like build these sort of things up, so it's just a case of trying to get a bit of momentum with that, but nah, enjoying it so far, so that's kind of what I've been doing since I finished uni, so. Yeah. Uh, so we'll touch on uni and stuff like that in a bit, but it's weird, like, yeah. we are talking just before the podcast, it's weird kind of meeting someone that you've never met before, like, we've literally spoke on Instagram, I think it was a, know, a few months ago, obviously yeah. I followed you, because you're very much bodybuilding related and stuff, and then obviously chatting yeah, based, <laughs> I know, it's crazy, but, so we'll talk a little about your kind of journey to, obviously, you mentioned that you went to uni there, and now you're at the Shetland Islands, that's, I'm guessing that's where your family's from originally. Yeah, I've lived here all my life, apart oh, yeah, from going to uni, so. Yeah, so, obviously getting into bodybuilding starting say from school um where did the kind of interest into bodybuilding kind of come come from yeah yeah so um before i went to uni um i was never really like into the gym like probably went like a handful of times very similar to you always just like football 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 like the whole time yeah. you know like, five six times a week goalkeepers union so was a fellow, uh, yeah, I was, fellow don't mention that. <laughs> and then so um finished high school and then went down to study at a university in edinburgh to do biology and then obviously since I was so into football, it was the case obviously like, right, let's join, let's join the football team. But in order to join the football team, you had to buy a year's gym membership at the university gym for some reason. So since I paid for it, paid for a whole year, I was like, right, well, I might as well start kind of like using it a little bit. But like I went like a few times a week here and there during my first year of uni, but never really like... You know what I mean? I had no idea what I was doing. Just literally like going a couple of times, didn't warm up, hopped yeah. around all the machines, 
pretty sure I had a day when I just did like abs or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> didn't, didn't have a clue what I was doing. I don't even count that as training. But basically, as the year at uni went on, kind of stopped enjoying playing football as much. So I kind of decided coming to the end of that year that I was going to like take a year or a season out of football um, because so like I phoned my managers at home to say that I'd be taking the season out because obviously like normally like a normal season you know you go all through the year and you have summer off but since our weather is that shit up here we cram all our season into a couple months in summer so it's like yeah. reverse so <laughs> I've done like the whole normal season at uni then you're coming home for a few months as you do for summer and then I'm coming straight into the football season at home yeah. so I said nah I don't want to do it so I said I'm going to take a bit of time off so um, what did I say yeah so I phoned the manager said I'm not going to play so I like to stay active so I knew if I wasn't going to play football I'd want to like do some form of like exercise so that's kind of one of the like small reasons why I decided right if I'm not going to play football during the summer I'll try like get into the gym a little bit more but probably like the main reason why I actually started like getting into training was like during my first year at uni, I actually ended up like losing a lot of weight. So I didn't really like mean to like do it, but essentially like I got I hate that kind of term, but like I got like a really like unhealthy relationship with food. Like I got like a really weird mindset and that like I wasn't trying to lose weight or anything. It wasn't like for the gym or football or anything. I just got this like weird mindset of, like I wouldn't eat anything like quote unquote like unhealthy or like I wouldn't have any like, I was almost like scared to put like dietary fat into my diet essentially so like obviously like my calories were like a lot lower just kind of indirectly mm. from that, and do, you then remember, that kind of do you remember how much you weighed sorry mate do you remember how much yeah, you weighed so like when I finished um first year at uni so just before I turned 19 I weighed 130 pounds at six foot three so yeah. what's that come what's the come that in kilograms i'm terrible like kilograms 162 yeah something like that that's mental that yeah so like that kind of when that was happening yeah. i was having like issues with my stomach at the same time so like i was having like a dull pain in my stomach so i didn't really have an appetite so like at that period of time i wasn't tracking like nutrition or something so when you're not tracking or had like any like numbers to hit what do you do? Like you eat intuitively. So you eat when you feel hungry. If I wasn't feeling hungry and then I was already kind of like restricting in certain aspects, I meant like I was going like a lot of the day without, without eating because I wasn't hungry with my stomach. So that kind of ended up just like losing a lot of weight. And then like when you come home, like, you know, when you come home from uni, well, I don't, you didn't go to uni, did you? Ah, uh, I didn't do like, when, <laughs> when you come home, like you come, everyone comes back to Shetland and then obviously like you all go on nights out and stuff like that. You've not seen people in a few months. And then I had a few people say to me on a night out, like, oh, you know, you look, you know, you're looking a bit ill, you need to eat food, et cetera. But like, I don't take things to heart. So like the people who said it to me, like, it doesn't bother me. Like their opinions yeah, don't mean shit. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of made you think like, right, if other people are kind of pointing out to you, maybe you need to start kind of like doing something about it. So I'd say that's kind of when I got started when I was around 19 about 130 pounds so mm. that was that's that yeah, that just, because was, like 59 kilograms for anybody who doesn't do pounds because i'm terrible yeah, yeah that's crazy just yeah like look like a child at like 19 so that's yeah. kind of like where i consider starting was that summer trying to like start getting into it so yeah that's yeah. kind of how i got into the whole bodybuilding thing right? 
Yeah, so kind of from there, so what was your training like when you first actually started getting a bit of knowledge? So like you said, you mentioned it was kind of just hopping around machines. So you were about, what, yeah, 18, 19 or something? Like. Yeah. <laughs> well, how old were you? Was it 18 years old probably when you just kind of started training, but not probably? Yeah, like so when you go down to uni in Scotland, I don't know what it's like in England, but you're usually around 17, 18. So 18 mm. then, and when I finished first year, I was still 18, just about to turn 19. So I did what any young guy does who's wanting to build muscle and doesn't have a clue hop straight on bodybuilding.com yeah get a program it was like jim stepani shortcut to size or something i remember that one yeah (laughs) 12 weeks bro split most basic undulating periodization you'll ever see but it's obviously not the most ideal way to start but it gets you into training and gets you into like because i actually hit you like logbooking straight from there so like right from the start you're looking at like progressing lifts and then once I kind of got into watching, because I never had like Instagram at this point. I only got Instagram when I was like 20, 21 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of like, once I started like figuring out like fitness YouTube was a thing, I didn't even know it existed. Started getting into watching more kind of informative people. Like thankfully I kind of stumbled across more informative people like at the start as opposed to like Athlean X and all that kind of bollocks. Oh, like I yeah. got into things like, like, you know, like TM Cycles, you follow him, John yeah, Bridgman. Yeah. They were like, and AJ Morris were like three of the first people I kind of stumbled across. And I saw them kind of talking about the, the higher frequency kind of approach to training. So that's kind of how it kind of developed over time from there. So oh, that's, I was going to say, because when I first started, I, the people that I looked up with, uh, looked up to and stuff and watched were like Mike Rashid and stuff. So it was very much overtraining. So I was yeah. probably, when I, first started like looking into training and stuff i was probably like 19 18 19 it was literally just volume 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 and then on top of that i was playing football full-time at the same time so i was just killing myself i wasn't getting anywhere i put on some size so i was probably uh when i was about i remember 17 i think i was about six foot three i'm six five and a bit now and i was about 72 kilograms so i managed to put like a bit of weight on from then but obviously you get to a point and i was training too much and it just it kills you but you were lucky that you actually had some decent influences well, I did, but that's the thing when you're on about volume. Like when I first heard about push pull legs, I was like, all right, sweet. Right, push pull legs, push pull legs, six days in a row, one day off. Yeah. And just like ridiculous amount of volume in each session, you know, like 50 sets or something, yeah. like not knowing how to like structure it. And then it is like, obviously, like the whole like overtraining thing, but you were definitely doing far too much to see like proper. Uh-huh. like results and then just gradually over time like watching more videos like when you get instagram follow people then you kind of realize right this is kind of how you like structure a push pull leg session kind of thing so the first couple of years when you start like you say like oh yeah i started training at 19 but the first couple of years they're never productive really yeah you don't unless, really know what you're doing, do you? unless so. you get like a, that's why I, like, I say to people like one little bit of advice that i would give people who are just kind of starting training is get a coach because yeah, they yeah. help you so much like just think the amount of years that like me and you have wasted well i say wasted like yeah. learning actual the proper process of training and obviously programming and what have you if you get a coach straight away you're literally bypassing two years of your lifting career and you're going straight to like the point where and and then you can obviously just learn from there and you learn more things. So yeah, it's a bit of advice for anybody just starting out who's a newbie yeah, to, to training. It's one of them things that when you get into lifting, like you don't, you know, I mean, no one really wants to spend money on a coach or a PT. They think, you know, you kind of think you know all, but mm-hmm. like, like you said, like you're not, it's, you're still making progress. Like since you're new to the gym, you know, you, you can do really anything and make progress, <laughs> but yeah. you are still like 
it's not optimal and you are kind of wasting your time. You're probably wasting a lot of money on like pointless supplements during that time as well. Uh-huh. So I would just say like, if you're new, just hire a coach. You know what I mean? It, yeah, hundred percent. Benefit. Like, can you can you think of any like just off the top of your head any stupid things? Like, I'll give you an example. I remember what I used to do was well, obviously I used to do chest day, back day. Oh, all that obviously used to go through all through that but I remember at one point I think I was doing because I was full-time football I wasn't training legs I was going push pull push pull push pull literally with no rest days in between but I remember I literally used to get the um, BCAA capsules I used to have six of them before I would train then go and train and as soon as I I don't know I just thought it was gonna help us like energy yeah energy (laughs) tablets like yeah. you know, there's so many stupid things. I used to always slam a shake, literally straight from the gym into the change room, slam a shake as soon as possible, yeah. and then just. Like, can you think of anything that you used to do? Probably similar um, sort of things. Because when I did first start training, when I moved back down to uni for the second year, I, first gym I trained at was pure gym, so it's never that good. But I remember doing the same thing as you in the locker room, like in the locker straight after I finished training. I already had a protein and like. I think it was like maltodextrin shake mixed oh, up, like absolutely horrendous <laughs> on the stomach. But as soon as you finish training, boom, straight in there, neck yeah. back. Um, I'm trying to think of any like stupid kind of things. Just like, I think when I first got into it, I was really bad for like eating all like the, the high protein like snacks and things you'd see oh, on my protein. Yeah. I thought, you know, you get fucking massive eating them. <laughs> and that and then like all like the, what do you call it? Like the testosterone boosting tablets. Oh, did like you try? Did you try them? I was I always too scared to try them. I like was like, what? nah, steroids. Stay away. What is it like? Is it tribulus terrestris or something like that? Oh, I haven't got a clue, mate. I never, it's I never touched. Waste, waste thirty quid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I know the amount of people that have messaged me and stuff saying, "Oh, are these like fat burners, these test boosters and stuff," and they could, and it was just. Luckily, I didn't. I wasn't well. We used to get drug tested when I played football, so I, like I didn't want to go down like touch anything just in case. I was like, yeah, I know. Protein was enough. Like creatine, that was a big thing. That was yeah. that was that was like steroids when you first start creating. Yeah, I try to think of uh, other things off the top of my head. Yeah. Something like BCAs it. are always a classic. I only bought them once, thankfully. I never really mm-hmm. I think it was more like the uni budget and the price of them kind of put me off. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just like literally eating stupid things, but yeah. So talking about that, when did you kind of when did your training slowly start to change? Was it like you started like you said you started following different people, or did you get a coach at a certain point or? I never, I did all of it by myself. I only got a coach um, a few months ago when I was going to go into first prep, but we'll cover mm-hmm. that later, like you said. But yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't say there was like a point where like I, it just changed. It was just kind of like gradually, like say you'd start listening to podcasts, watching videos, and you'd hear like a certain little thing about training, you're like changing something. Then I changed that, but then the rest of it would still be shit. And then you'd hear like another thing, oh, that sounds good, you change that, and then it gradually just kind of like, the volume would come down mm-hmm. and I started like maybe like it was only like a year and a half ago maybe that I stopped training like six days in a row started taking that two three rest days a week in between like now looking back on it like I could not physically like I couldn't train more than three days on the bounce I don't know how mm-hmm. it just shows that you're not training hard enough and you're just doing a bunch of like junk volume if you're managing yeah. to train like six days on the spin so then the kind of extra rest came into it and then as you said just like following certain people learning coming across the whole like I always did like like straight sets you know like say like three by five or something like that yeah. and then I kind of came across the whole top and back off set approach and ever since I kind of came across that 
that's been my like preferred approach for like compound work and then doing more kind of straight sets on like isolations and things isolations like that. Of, yeah. Gives you like the kind of best of both worlds in a way in that you're still working in that high in that lower rep range. So with higher loads that you're still hitting things like in like a five, six rep range, but you're not doing like four sets of it. You know, you're just doing mm-hmm. it once, leave all of it in that one set and then do a back off set. So getting stronger across yeah. multiple rep ranges. So that's kind of like my preferred approach to training. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna mention that as well because I feel that like that's a quite, especially in, well, mainly in the bodybuilding world, that's quite like that. They call the high intensity approach. It's becoming yeah, a lot body. more popular. Like when I, like, I say when I first started bodybuilding, it was only like I say bodybuilding three or four years ago. Yeah. When I first yeah, started so. training, it was very much like higher volume, like four or five sets at least, like a few like maybe like a five by five bench to start and then you'd go on to like, 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 like yeah just like it's yeah. how trains change kind of thing the high intensity approach i think people like um train by gp gps yeah that's they, definitely what kicked it all off it's yeah 100 percent. like people like that and then oh i forgot his name now he, he old bodybuilder um dorian yates that's the one off the top of my head he yeah. was the one who kind of he was big on it back in the day but then like the likes of like Arnold's pro. Have you seen Arnold's program that was oh, put out? Comments, yeah, mental volume. It's like ridiculous. Like forty but... sets per session or something. But like that was what it used to be back in the day. This yeah. loads and loads of volume, not a lot of rest period. That's another thing to touch on. Like, what's yeah. your rest periods at the minute? Are they shorter or a bit longer now? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Long. It depends. It depends where I'm at. But like when I'm like at the end of like a gaining phase or a bulk, whatever you call it, like the, the old cardiovascular fitness isn't where you want it to be like the rest times are pretty long mm-hmm. i don't really time them like i kind of do sometimes it's like a rough guide but i always just kind of go when i'm ready mm-hmm. but probably for like a top set i'm looking at anywhere from like four to five minutes rest between going from a top set to a back off set yeah. and then all the isolation stuff i keep it you know like one two minutes but yeah all my compound work is definitely a lot longer like especially if like you've only got say you've got one set of five to nine and one set of ten to fifteen you've only got like those two sets to like go and take like a progression. So I'm not going to go and like fuck up by taking, oh, it's been a minute and a half. I need to go do my back off set now. Mm-hmm. Like if I've done like, like an all out, like four or five repper on like a deadlift, I'm probably going to take like five, six minutes before I go into my back off set. Just Cause I'm not like napping from it. So yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think a lot of people probably when they listen to that, they're thinking eh, like, I swear, like the optimal range was like ninety second rest tops, yeah. if that. Like that's what it used to be, like back, the, like back when I first started training, like two minutes top. But like, there's more research coming out, and especially if you're doing like a higher intense approach, yeah. Where you you're literally like they say training to failure, but you literally are training to failure. You, most of the time, you need a um, what's this? Something just popped up. You need yeah. all that rest period so you can actually get your mind right first of all, and then you need to save all your energy for that top set. And you you will need like a spotter and stuff for those sets because you're not just going until you feel, oh right, if I don't if I don't wrap this now, I'm gonna drop the weight. You're going until you actually fail. When people, like I don't think people, a lot of people realize that when they see failure training, and a lot of people are thinking like, oh, I'm not gonna get a pump. That's another thing. Like the pump isn't gonna make you grow just because you're doing four sets of twenty chest flies and your chest like yeah. flying or you do a million push ups. Doesn't mean that you that, that means oh, I'm growing. Like like the approach that you're going for, whether you're doing the heavy weight. And you're giving yourself a lot of rest period, and you you, you are able to lift more weight. So that over time, you, your muscle has to adapt to this progressive overload sort of thing. And then obviously, you still get your pump work in with your isolations in a way, but that's um, something a lot of people kind of get confused yeah. about. How long are your sessions taking roughly at the minute? Uh, depends. 
I think home workouts take longer because you're fanning around with like adjustable dumbbells and things. But yeah, legs can take, not including warm ups. I, I take ages warming up, probably yeah. about like, two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, pool sessions are pretty similar. I'm deadlifting in a push session is probably like an hour and forty five, two hours. So mm-hmm. they do take a while, but but then when you look at it, like I did legs yesterday, and it literally took me like like three hours. And mm-hmm. I look back at the like the session. And it was literally like 15 working sets. Yeah. And that includes three sets of calves at the end. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's crazy. Like I take my time. Like I really do take my time warming up. Not like after I've done that dynamic stuff at the start, but in terms of actually like warming up in the movement, say like you're going for a top set on a deadlift for some, like for example, like say I'm hitting like a all out like five rep max in a five to nine rep range. Mm-hmm. I'll do like six warm up sets just leading up to that top you set. You need to though Maybe when you're lifting heavy. Warm. And then you're taking a couple minutes rest in between those warm-up sets. It's not like I'm whacking one on, going straight into the other. So like mm-hmm. building, sometimes like I'll spend like just like over an hour just deadlifting, and I'm doing two sets. It takes you that long. It's not as if you can go like say your top sets like 200 kilograms. It's not as if you can go right 60 kilograms, 100 kilograms, 150, and 200. Like you, you need little increments in between kind of thing. Like yeah. first of all, you get injured, and you you need to kind of get used yeah. to that movement as well. The more that you practice like, it as well. Like, for example, like taking my deadlift, for example, like before I started dieting a couple of months back, I got it up to like 240 kilo for four um, beltless. Decent. So then my warm ups would be like 60, 100, 140, 160, 180, 200, yeah. 220. That's seven warm up sets before I've even done my top set. Uh-huh. So, like, it takes like, plus I found like when, especially when I was like pushing like my weight up like quite a lot and then I was getting strong like strong for me like the stronger I was getting like the more like time I was needing in between sets as well mm-hmm. in, in terms of recovery as well just because it was taking like so so much more out of me yeah and then like my volume would come kind of come down as like as a result of that because like you'll probably know as well like when you like when you're getting stronger over time like your volume just comes down just because you just can't physically recover you from to, yeah. the effect you're doing like previously so uh-huh. so I think that's a good point to make because I think a lot of people especially people who maybe just start on bodybuilding might be oh, I want to do this high intensity intensity approach but there's two things like you haven't your technique's not mastered at that point uh-huh. and if you're only doing two work and sets in an exercise that's only two work and sets like obviously maybe you probably need one warm-up if say your first time in the gym or like you've been a few times and you're top set on a on dumbbell bench presses like 15 20 kilograms like you don't need to have six or seven warm-up sets just to do two sets of 20. Like, you'll be fine. Yeah, you just literally, just probably a set with 10 kilograms and you're probably, you're probably fine to go in, into it, but you need to practice that. So I think for if you are like a newbie, something with a little bit more volume, just so you can get the kind of the, yeah, the exercise kind of technique and stuff spot on. The more that you do it, the more your motor patterns and stuff, motor recruitment is going to be better and better. And then also, like I said before, you don't, you don't need that rest period because it's not putting as much like taxing uh, on your central nervous system if you're only lifting no. 20 kilograms compared to hundreds whatever you what you can yeah, do down the like, line but yeah if i like say i get like a like a online client like a new client come to me and like the training experience is pretty slim and like you know they're quite new to weightlifting but i won't put them on a top and back offset approach because there's just no point because a like you said execution's not going to be on point like if you're going for like one all out like five rep max on a back squat and your form shit, all I'm gonna do is like hurt them essentially. Yeah. And then also when you are new to training, you don't know where your failure point is at. Like you can say to someone, 
right you've got one set do five reps to failure and they'll have like they'll stop and it starts getting a lot bit hard they'll have like four or five reps left in the time so there's just no point in me giving them two working sets because it's just going to do like fuck all yeah. so i put them on like a slightly more like linear approach to the working sets so say like a instead of like one top set one back offset say like three sets of like six to eight or something and then make sure they get the technique nailed down mm-hmm. they can actually learn to like take things to failure and then once like they've progressed onto that then you can be like right you can start maybe implementing something like that but there's no point in doing it right at the start if there's no training experience because it's just yeah. not going to work it's they're not, not going to you're not going to especially with the online coaching approach like it's different when oh. you're in like one-to-one pt environment yeah. you can obviously push them and you can obviously spot them engaged and stuff but it's when i've trained clients and i say right one more rep and they look they're absolutely fine and stuff like that and they just it's like as if they get scared like on a bench press yeah. and it gets gets heavy and they just leave it on the bench the chest i'm like you had about another five reps in you but they're just they don't want to push or like when it the concentric slightly slows down then they rack it i'm like no nah, that's when the set starts yeah, like you've got I know. Way more <laughs> keep or technique goals like you'll see especially when you learn oh, yeah. the big compound moves like you probably do have the strength but your coordination isn't there like you can if you haven't, especially even even us, if we say transfer from doing like a barbell bench press to dumbbells, like after like a yeah. three month period, you shake it, your coordination, like everything's just lost, and you're like, eh, and you might be like five or ten kilograms down or a few reps down from what you know you're actually capable of doing, and then give it more time, kind of thing, and then once you're like you more um, what do you call it, motor patterns get there like and you stuff. Usually adapt to the movement, like yeah, you adapt to the movement. You'll get used to it, and then you'll be able to actually like the say. I think it takes about three or four weeks for you to actually learn the movement. Like if you're doing a new movement, even it once you're experienced, it takes actually three or four weeks to actually yeah. get the motor, like the the movement properly, and then you can actually start activating and stimulating the muscle the way that you want to. So yeah, so if you're a newbie, just I'd say a higher volume approach, but also getting a coach that understands that he doesn't want you going to do 50 sets or something progress it yeah, like do the minimal higher volume and then they're just taking the piss just taking that because you're just doing you're just wasting energy and you're using like, like you're not gonna be able to recover to from 50 sets that are progressive in a session it's yeah bollocks like you're just not know. doing it like, it's just not it's no just way. the rest of us just pointless but it is like i know so yeah if you knew you could get a coach that's another thing but yeah. Uh, talking about we'll talk about your bodybuilding a bit so you mentioned about competing uh what was your plans obviously we've already mentioned it off off the podcast about your plans for competing and stuff yeah so i decided kind of like back in the last year that i was wanting to compete um this summer just because it would be the last year i could compete as a junior in like the uk dfba because i think the junior cutoffs like 23 and under and i turned 23 soon so by the time the next year comes over i wouldn't i'd be too old for junior so Decided to get a coach, so I hired a coach in like October last year. Just because I don't like you should let you should work if you're gonna go into a prep and you're gonna have a coach. I like I'm a firm believer that you should work with them for a few months before, like in mm-hmm. the back end of like your off season, just so like they can learn your body, like kind of know what works for you, as opposed to just going right. I'm 15 weeks out. I'm gonna hire a coach, and then the first week he's learning me is during prep. So I hired a coach like for that to with Ama competing in this June in like a qualifier for like men's physique but um, obviously with the whole coronavirus thing it was only like three weeks into prep then the they announced that the whole qualifiers were getting cancelled and they were only doing the what do you call it like the finals like later in the year but even now like we don't know if they're going to be on or not yeah so I was kind of like right I don't want to like elongate that for an extra like three months with like not even knowing if those shows are going to be on 
it's probably not the best time to like diet down to that low levels of body fat, like weaken your immune system. Or, like, you know, yeah, <laughs> probably not the best time, just in yeah. case. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to do it. Like it's not going to be most optimal. And then you kind of think as well, like the amount of people, like with the gyms being shut as well, like training's not as optimal as you want it to be. Like how many people are even going to compete? You know what I mean? Like chances mm. are 90% of people have sat this year off straight away. Yeah. So I just ended up like, so I was going to be doing like an 18 week prep only three weeks into it. So I just ended up dieting for another like 10 weeks just to kind of clean things up, get body composition into a better place before now, just like entering back into push up. And then the plan is I'll either potentially try compete next year or I'll take another year out and go 20 years now. 2022. Yeah. Just because obviously I know I would have had like a better chance like competing in the junior, but the step up to the men's is massive because you know what I mean? Yeah. Bodybuilding is one of them sports where it's different to everything else and that you actually get better as you get older. So uh-huh. obviously you'll be competing against people in their 30s for like 20 years more training experience for you. So, I know obviously the step up is going to be big. So I think I could do with an extra year mm-hmm. of growing. And then with like the men's physique thing, it's definitely not like if I do get the bulk for competing, I want to keep doing it. It's probably not the category that I'd want to like stick with, but it's definitely one that's kind of like, just kind of like ease yourself into it, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. So if that, you know what I mean? But uh-huh. so you come, is it men's physique that you come in? I was going to be men's physique, yeah. Men's physique, yeah, yeah. That was a good thing that you, you touched on briefly there, like taking time out to actually put on size. For a lot of, yeah. a lot of not just bodybuilding, but in general, people are like, oh, I want to put on size, but I want to be shredded at the whole time. Like, if you're a newbie and stuff, there is ways that you can kind of do it, but not optimally. Like, realistically, if yeah. you want to put on size, if your goal is to put on size, you want to put, like, you can't just bulk for three months. Like, realistically, it's going to be pointless. Like, taking a good full year out, probably minimum, is probably the best way to go and you're gonna have to accept the fact that you're gonna be a little bit like not chubby oh. yeah. <laughs> so you can take it to the extremes and you can get a fat and just like bodybuilders obviously take it to the extreme eating like well how many calories are you on normally roughly when you're when you're at the peak of your uh, at the back end before i started dieting i was on for the last few months like five and a half thousand yeah so, but you're, you're big like you're, you're six three and how much were you weighing roughly six three i was 230 pounds at the time yeah. Now I'm like two ten, so yes. working my way back up. But yeah, yeah so. it's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it is a lot of food. A lot of food. I know, and especially like, well, I'm the same. I'm, well, I, I do kilograms. I make hundred kilograms. I'm six with six, but I'm doing a lot of like, yeah, like it's. For, I, I'm more sports performance as well, so I'm a bit of both. What I but you need to eat a lot of calories. Like I'm, I kind of loosely track, and I know I'm minimum four thousand, like minimum. Yeah. Really. Like, I'm probably, some days I could be up to 6,000. It depends how much t- t- I eat. Yeah. Like, it, it can easily do it. Don't be afraid of eating food. No, like, everyone's, like, like, everyone's different. Like, obviously, since me and you are quite tall, again, it's not the same for all tall people. But, like, when you are tall, chances are, you know, you hear the whole, like, hard gainer shit. Yeah. But, like, chances are you're going to need more food. But, yeah, it's harder. But then also, like, when you diet down, it, it does... Yeah, like if you're going to be going to those like really extreme levels of body fat, your calories are going to have to come pretty low. But like if you take that time building your calories up, the first like initial stages of your diet are going to be a lot easier because you can afford to diet on a lot higher calories. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like in my most recent diet, I took off like we did like 12, 13 weeks and I took off like 25 pounds and my training day food didn't go below like 3,700, 3,800 for the whole time. Amount. Because I spent that time pushing up the food so like 
it really didn't have to come come down too much. But obviously, mm-hmm. if you're going to get like stage lane, it's going to have to come. Yeah, it got all the way down. Yeah, I know it's a different different level. I know. So yeah. in terms of like in terms of like bulking, like we're not just saying go and eat. 5,000 no. calories straight away when you've been eating two and a half kind of thing. No. You, so, like, how do you kind of, obviously, taper it, explain the kind of process and, like, tapering the food up slowly and gradually? Yeah, so it's all about kind of, like, assessing body composition as you go through. Because especially when you're younger, I think, like, young lads are really guilty of, like, chasing scale weight. Say they're, like, 60 kilo, they're like, all right, I will get up to fucking 80 kilo for no reason. Like, you get up to that 80 kilo, what what satisfaction are you getting out of it? You know what yeah. I mean? Like you can just look like like a fat piece of shit. Like tail, and you've yeah. gone up 20 kilo like far too fast. So it really is just a case of like, it's hard to like give genetic guidelines on like rate of gain, when to like increase calories. But as a rough kind of guide in and around like 1% body weight a month kind of going on, but like everyone's different. Always assessing like visual factors. Like, you know, if your like body weight's coming up, Body fat, like body composition, still in a decent place. You can kind of afford to keep pushing food up a little, like especially like it's kind of hard when it comes to pushing food because if body weight's still kind of maybe not like say body weight's not moved in a while, but body composition's decent and training performance is still good, then I don't really see the need to increase food just for the sake of like adding scale weight, even though scale weight does need to come up over time, but. When things like scale, scale weight stalled for a while, not just for like two days, that you've not gained weight for two days, like, you know what I mean? It's longer than that. Yeah. Like a few weeks and you've not seen scale weight. Gym performance is like a bit, like not great. And like visually, you're still kind of the same. Then you can be like, right, I can push food up a little. Again, not saying like 1,000 calories, but maybe like, again, everyone's different depending on how much food, but like two, 300 calorie jump. And then again, do the exact same thing, like reassess gym performance, visuals, scale weight, take all that kind of into account. Appetite as well. It's definitely digestion. Digestion is something that has to be looked at when you're pushing up. Like if you're pushing 5,000 calories, things are stalled, but your digestion's like in the gutters. There's yeah. no point in like pushing up again just for the sake of it. Like you really need to kind of sort that out before like yeah. going up again. So That's when you see people do like the mini cuts and stuff. Like I've watched a few Josh Bridgman. He even done like a 24-hour fast, didn't he? Just to kind of help you jack yeah, digestion stuff. Like I've done intermittent fasting and stuff. And when I'm eating a lot of food, I do find that like must there's get to a point where like you start bloating and like yeah. things is on that you can tell it's doing like a little bit of fasting even just for like a week or two kind of thing just to kind of back off the calories it'll help massively and then your appetite comes back and you can just push the calories again i'm a big fan of doing that on a rest day like yeah, i don't like in, like eight a minute and fast or anything but i always like since like i'm pounding like carbohydrates on a training day on a rest day i'll push my first meal back to like 10 11 maybe even a little bit later, depends on like, kind of where my calories are. And then I'll always have that first meal on a rest day as like a pro-fat meal as well, just to yeah. give me a little bit of a break, even though it's not long, but just a bit of a break from carbohydrates. So just given, even though it's not like a long fast, it's still just a little break from kind of just like pounding yourself with food, like yeah. 24-7. So. Yeah. So what sort of, when you're bulking, what are your kind of sources of carbohydrates are extra? That's a lot of questions that I'll get asked like, or what foods do I need to eat to kind of bulk up? Is it like just smashing donuts yeah. and stuff? Or is it certain, certain food? Some people st- still don't know kind of the best yeah, things to do. Yeah, it's classic. It's like, it's one of them things where, especially when you're pushing up and say you do struggle gaining weight and your calories need to get quite high, you need to kind of have that balance between like so-called, like, I hate the word, but like healthy, kind of like nutrient-dense yeah. carbohydrate sources. And then also like your simpler kind of sugary foods 
So I always kind of like to have a balance. Plus when you are like in like a surplus of calories that you've got tons to play with, you might as well take advantage of being able to fit these kind of foods into your nutrition. You know what I mean? You can't just be a robot and eat sweet potato, six meals every single day. Yeah. It's like, there's no way you're getting in like 700 grams of carbs from sweet potato. Unless you're like three, kilograms, you know three I mean? so, kilograms of rice or something. Yeah. I'll tend to, <laughs> my main ones will be like bagels, yeah. white rice, sometimes pasta, like wraps, squares, bars, oats, granola, mm. jam, honey, fruit, breakfast cereals. Like I'm a big fan of them. Like yeah. post-workout, like kind of rice-based breakfast cereals. And I really kind of kind of stick to that like crumpets as well, like just kind of, kind of a balance between like healthy and then like yeah. simpler carbs. Just because like when your carbs are getting like 800, 800, 900 grams of carbs that you do need to, it's just easy to get like 50 grams of carbs in a meal by just putting honey on top of it. You know what I mean? As yeah. opposed to another 200 grams of like sweet potato or something. So I know you just sometimes you just can't stomach that sort of food. Like, like a kilogram of potato on your plate, like it's it's easier just to have like half the portion and have like a bagel with some jam on instead. Yeah, as just long as bit, like have like something on the side of yeah, that meal. It's a good little kind of treat as well. Instead of having like six hundred grams of like white potato, have like uh-huh. four hundred and then like two squares bars or something with it. Just like yeah. little things like that, just to kind of make it a bit more enjoyable. Yeah, well, just so. and also just find what digests best for you because like, there's no point yeah. of saying like have bagels and stuff if you like. Say gluten doesn't sit well with you, or whatever reason, because there's different foods sit well with uh, different people, and obviously you just need to find a balance. Like I would never like yeah. say to a client, like right, you need to have like two bagels. I'd just say like just make sure you hit these great like, carbohydrates. That Ninety gram of carbs or whatever, and two bagels. Yeah, just hit that. That's what I do. With a lot of my clients just kind of give them for each meal like macro goals rather than saying for, I'll give them an example of what they can have, but like yeah. give them like the goals, and then as long as you're eating, you know, not having like pizza and some meat from tesco that's i don't know like you know the like the processed 60, 60 percent yeah. chicken like. yeah and they, <laughs> i don't know just as long as you're getting a, a balanced diet that's the main thing yeah 100 percent. uh so moving on in terms of nutrition actually i was going to talk about pre-interest so they call it like the peri workout window nutrition so a lot of people yeah. a lot of people don't really know about the benefits and stuff and how to kind of set it out so in terms of like your pre-workout meal what do you have and kind of where, like how close to training do you have it? I know people like have different preferences on things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like you said, everyone's like, like super like individual in terms of like what they can have, like how long they need to wait before like training that. But I always kind of give like a rough guideline to clients and things like that. But like you're saying, penny workout window, like pre intra post, like to situate like a good amount of carbohydrates in all of those meals of your daily mm. amount, obviously for performance and recovery benefits in terms of training. Um, with like pre-workout I kind of find anywhere from like one to one and a half hours like is sits well with me like from having my pre-workout meal to training I used to like eat my pre-workout meal and train like 10 minutes later like yeah, back I used in the day to, I used just, to do back in the day as well you're just like bloated like straight away so that's kind of what I prefer but I say to clients like, if you need like two two and a half hours that's cool if you can train but even when they say, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go after 45 minutes, I still kind of say, like, leave it a little bit just yeah. because, you you'll know start, I mean? You'll start training and you'll start noticing and stuff. And you don't, there's yeah. nothing worse than training. You feel like food's coming up your stomach and it's not ideal. Yeah. And then in terms of, like, carb sources pre-workout, again, everyone's different. Like, some people prefer, like, high GI carb sources, you know, so ones that are going to digest a little bit quicker. 
other people can't do that because they end up like just feeling a bit hungry. So they'll go for like low GI, like slower digesting kind of carbohydrates. Personally, I prefer more of like a quicker digesting carb pre-workout. So for like the most time I can remember, I usually just kind of stick with white rice, um, very bro, like chicken and rice um, pre-workout yeah. meal, but it just sits well with me. So obviously pre-workout meal, again, can't give like, oh, you need to have this amount of carbohydrate because it depends on like the individual. I typically won't go over like 100 grams carbs pre. I usually kind of stick it around there. But if calories are really high and I feel like I can stomach it, then I will. Obviously, we're looking to get in like a bolus of protein in that meal as well, like mm-hmm. in around that minimum, like 25 grams from a complete protein source. And then I also like to put in a bit of dietary fat in that meal as well. Again, the amount depends, but I'll around like 10 to 15 grams added dietary fat just to help blunt and like slow down the absorption yeah. digestion. Especially if you're having a lot, a lot of carbs yeah, like, in that meal, you can... fat source, mm-hmm. you'll be hungry like by the time you come to train. So it just kind of like. I always tell people, well, don't stress too much about the pre-workout. If you're on higher calories and stuff, 100% get the food in because it's there. But you've, your muscles have got loads of glycogen stores anyway. I think they can store, I can't remember, it's like at least 300. I can't remember what it is. And something then there's so like much that, in the liver. And then there's like 100 and something in the liver that it can store. So you can store, as long as you have like, like for me, I train a lot of the time. If I'm training like earlier in the morning, I'll train fasted, but have a very okay. decent sized meal the night before like at least 100 grams of carbs and stuff like with my last meal like two hours before bed or something like that so don't worry about it too much and then we'll move on to oh. kind of intra intra and post i feel are the two more important ones um overall but i'll let you kind yeah, of what you put your intra yeah i am actually a big like fan of intras also i don't give it to like all clients because you know you've got like general population who trains for like an hour and they're not really that arsed i'm not gonna say i get some EAs and some particular extra in here, but um, yeah. no, I do I do like um, inter-workout. I do keep mine quite basic, though. I literally just stick to highly branched cyclic dextrin. Obviously, we're wanting that carbohydrate source, so cyclic dextrin, my go-to, obviously, like high molecular weight, low osmolality, so it's passing through the digestive system really, like, easily. Like, you don't have to draw, like, blood from the muscles into the digestive tract to digest mm. during your training, so you've got very little bloat from that. Because the mistake a lot of people will make is they'll, like, when you need to enter workouts, they'll see, oh, I can get five kilogram of maltodextrin or dextrose for, like, a tenner, but yeah. why would I pay £25 for a kilo of cyclodextrin? But, like, I remember I did that with maltodextrin, like, fucking, like, my stomach was an absolute yeah. bit. Like, 80 grams of it, like, gee, like, you're bloated, like, <laughs> mid-second. So, like, stick to cyclodextrin, it's just, it's just easier. And then I just pop my creatine in there as well. Obviously, it doesn't matter where you put your creatine. It's just, mm-hmm. I remember to put it in there. Yeah. Obviously, you see a lot of people using like essential amino acids, so EAAs. I personally, like, I think it depends on how serious the person wants to take and also like disposable income. I personally don't take them because I think if you're training, if you're getting like a bolus of complete protein in your pre-workout meal and then in your post-workout meal, I really don't see the need to use an EAA. I would, I'd probably only buy them, well, use them if I was getting them for free. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, if you want to use them, you can. I'll also tend to put like, if I remember, like a gram of pink salt in my intro as well. And yeah. then you can also look at things like, again, depending on how serious you want to take it, like electrolytes, taurine, you can add yeah. in there as well. But I personally like to keep it quite simple so. yeah i was gonna say well two points the part about the salt i do the same thing so i'm either like 
Himalayan sea salt, but I've just got some. I've seen um, you know, Totem Fitness. You heard of them? But they they've given away like free samples. And my my girlfriend's dad, she he got some at work, so he because he's a paramedic, so he got some from the NHS. And I think they're getting loads of freebies at the minute. Obviously, with like... yeah, so I've got loads of. The, he said, "I don't like these. They just taste like salt." But it's it's literally just like um, it's just like sea salt. So I think it's just like potassium, sodium, magnesium, all the stuff and calcium and yeah. stuff that you need. Just let you tip that in. So I have that as well. To kind of talk a little bit about the benefits of that, which is obviously you're sweating a lot during training and stuff like that. But we'll talk a bit more about the the help in terms of uh, muscular contraction and stuff like that with obviously the added salts. Because I know um, is it. I'm not an expert on it. You did biology, didn't you? Oh, you yeah, I, <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you were an expert yeah, on did. it. But I'm not like, we didn't really do salt into workout at uni, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, but no, like, like you said, it's just basic. Like, it's not essential. Like, like you said, muscular, like everyone thinks all oh, salt pump. You know what I mean? It is true. Yeah, like, it's going to help muscle contractions pump, blood flow, obviously, hydration. Like, you're sweating out, you know, mm. you're losing a lot of salt is said like you're sweating out during your training so it's just a case of like replenishing things like that but yeah i don't yeah it's, it's just like, that little thing you need to do it you know what i mean like yeah i think it's good for like especially if you're like an endurance athlete or football I, I, yeah. we used to take like electrolytes and stuff a lot pre-season when it's hot and we're doing a lot of running because you're yeah. sweating that much and a lot of people get cramped and stuff when you're dehydrated and you don't have the salt yeah, in your cramped. system take it in so I, I recommend them in the summer if you're training quite intense but they're not essential. And then obviously we're talking about essential amino acids as well. Um, I'm exactly the same as you in terms of you don't really need them. If you get a decent protein meal, like I say, even like three hours before training and then you get yeah. them on a decent protein meal two hours post-training or something like that, you'll be fine. But I take them to, to, I take them sometimes for two reasons. One, because they taste nice. I've got like a watermelon yeah. flavour, which tastes fat and nice. nice. My, yeah, they do taste nice. Like. Yeah, my sort of dextrin doesn't have any flavour to it as well. I've just bought plain. Bite, which it's is, annoying. They stopped doing the flavoured ones, like on yeah. like, my protein bulk powders and stuff. Yeah, I get bulk powders. One, they, stop, they, they don't yeah. do flavoured ones, so I have my watermelon stuff with my protein and my sort of dextrin. But I, I don't do it in there. Like. Yeah, so that tastes nice. And then I obviously... I do it sometimes when I train fasted. Obviously, also you're not fasted if you take an essential amino acids no. in the morning as well. well you're not work out for that. You're not fasted. Yeah, like. you're not fat. You're not fasted anymore. But I, I take them in the morning if I don't have if I'm training without. It just it's more for my own conscience. It's it's like the old, it's, yeah, it's like the old school thing. Like you're gonna lose muscle yeah. if you train fasted in the morning. It's just the, the there's studies saying it's beneficial to train fasted completely. Like there's Rich Ron and Josh Bridges who are CrossFit athletes. They train completely fasted in the morning. And they're obviously fine because they're yeah, ridiculous. Massive. So there's probably that little slight advantage of taking them uh, fasted. But for yeah, me, like it's... I've, I've trained fasted a few times, and when I do, like, I always it's technically not fasted because I'm sipping on an intro like for yeah. the whole time. I know what you mean. It's just for like peace of mind, knowing right, I've got a stream of essential amino acids going into when I'm training. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm going to go catabolic. <laughs> it's not, yeah, that's the thing. It stops you going catabolic. That's what you think. I know. And then it, it stops you kind of worrying about, like, right, as soon as I finish training, I need to go and run and get a meal down. Us. No. Which yeah. Which we'll talk about as well. So post-workout, what's your kind of – how how long after training do you have it and what do you kind of have? Yeah, so the classic, like, again, when you first start training, you've just finished, boom, straight in, go pound your post-workout meal. But yeah. like, you really want to be – leaving it like, I personally leave it anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. usually kind of around like 45 minutes after I finish training just because obviously as you know like when 
obviously like when you train and you're in that parasympathetic state yeah. like you're in a stress state like the last thing your body's really like worrying about doing is digesting food so it's mm-hmm. kind of good to just kind of chill out for a while get yourself more into that um parasympathetic state um just let everything kind of calm down did i say parasympathetic state the first i think you said yeah you, yeah. you meant you're in a sympathetic state when you're training yeah. and then i just paras- said that i feel like i just said parasympathetic twice <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Repeat so obviously when you're training you're in that sympathetic state you're yeah. in a stress environment like your body's really not wanting to be it's not like prioritizing digesting food so it's good to kind of wait get yourself like let your heart rate come down um get yourself into that parasympathetic calmer state you're in a better position just like absorb and assimilate nutrients. Um, so yeah, kind of in around like half an hour to an hour. And then I'll tend to, like this is what I'd like to, like with myself and with clients, have like the like most heavy carbohydrate meal of the day. So like the most amount of carbohydrates in a meal, I'll tend to put it um, post-workout and I'll stick to like simple form of carbohydrates. So things that like digest like really easily with me because obviously like, you're not wanting to be I would never sit and have like sweet potato or something like that after I train. I just want something that's going to digest nice and fast. So I'll usually have like breakfast cereals, so something like Cocoa Pops or yeah, you know something like that, and then like crumpets and jam or like you know all them like kind of flavored rice cakes, things like that. Like it's yeah. a good time to like utilize like getting a good amount of simple simple sugars. Protein, obviously, we're looking again bowls of protein. I tend to just stick to obviously everyone's like, oh, yeah, you need a protein shake post workout. <laughs> you obviously don't. You can just have like chicken or something. Yeah. But I personally, I just like to have whey just because it's easy, and then I'll yeah. tend to like put all my cereal anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I keep fats low in the post workout meal as well, like preferably below like ten grams, mm-hmm. just so obviously that's kind of the window we're not wanting to blunt or slow down the digestion of the carbohydrates kind of then. So yeah. something that you can get in. A big bolus of carbs, it's not going to blow you too much. Digest yeah. nice and fast. So I like I like a post workout cereal, protein yes. shake. Whenever what's it the, gets minute. Yeah, what's the cereal at the minute? What's the cereal of choice? Well, at the moment, it's either like Cocoa Pops or like a bit boring, but like Rice Krispies, just because yeah. <laughs> my appetite's still like a little bit high after finished dieting. So obviously, like rice base, you're getting like a ton. Yeah. When like like I have no appetite like in the gutters eating five and a half thousand calories. It'll be like the chocolate Weetabix minis because uh, you literally get like 150 gram of carbs for like three spoonfuls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, so I've had them before. Like, I fill my bowl up and it's like just in there. I'm just like, where's the food? Like, where's the calories? There? Size, it's like five of them. It's like, yeah, I know it's ridiculous. They're nice down there as well. like Frosties as well though. Yeah, Same, I've been having the. Um, I went. To, I went to B M. Is it B and M where you are? No. Just shut no. <laughs> the <laughs> Never mind. Go up and boots. And that's about it. I'm just saying no, we. Well, the B and M. They have like you. Know, you know, look your charms. They have like, the, like I see the fake. The snide versions. Like the box, like. Yeah, the, I don't know what it is, but it's like in a in hundred grams, like forty five grams of sugar. <laughs> and it's like eight, eight, 85 grams of carbs 45 grams of sugar so I've been I've been having like a little bit of them I'm trying not yeah. to have too much because that's that's high sugar that it's for one a... of them when I even though like I'm not arsed like I don't like people always like when I put up like I'm having like 200 grams of cereal or something I'm like oh you're not arsed with the sugar I'm like no I don't really give a shit yeah. but you still kind of like I wouldn't have 200 grams of Frosties I don't think so my teeth could just be absolutely like done it's you know what I mean the... like yeah, it's, it's just, just a, bit, a ball of sugar. Still kind of balance a little bit and not take the piss with it. Like, uh-huh, yeah, don't worry about sugar too much as well. I think there's a lot of studies done saying if you're like a healthy individual, like sugar intake, as long as you're not like 
literally taking sugar out of the bag into your mouth. You should be fine. Yeah. You should be all right. See when people freak out about fruit because fruit toast is like it's yeah. fruit. Yeah, I mean, come on, like, it's. I know. <laughs> just just eat fruit. It's good. But um, last little thing we'll touch on because we've been going for quite a bit there. So we're obviously we're both tall lads, which is you're like six three. I'm like six five and a bit. I say a bit. I, I like rounding it up to six six. I'll say six six. Yeah, I'm probably like six two and a bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not that tall, but. Um, so our training, like you'll have to adapt our training a little bit. Like me as well, I've had a lot of injuries. What, what are some of the key things, kind of from your head, that you can think of that you have to adapt? Because obviously, in terms of squatting, benching, it's an absolute nightmare for us, just because our limbs are so long. Deadlifting not so bad, but squatting, yeah. kind of like what are the things that you kind of do to adapt your training? Well, I, I actually don't like. I would if I had like a gym. I had access to a gym, like, kitted out with, you know, all these, like, machines, etc. But mm-hmm. the gym I train at up here, it's very, very basic. So, mm-hmm. like, in terms of machines for pressing, don't have any. Um, yeah. We've got, like, a shoulder press machine, but it's not good, so I don't use it. And we've got a Smith machine. So, mm-hmm. and then in terms of legs, we don't have, like, a pendulum squat or a V-squat or anything. Like, you've got a barbell, a safety bar. We've got a hack as well and a leg press. So, like... I basically, I do have to kind of stick to the basics so I don't have the luxury of kind of altering my training to it. Like, yeah. if I had the choice, I probably, I wouldn't back squat just because like we were talking about before, like, yeah. got like never-ending femurs, like my legs are so long, like, <laughs> a three, like a three-second eccentric for me, like, it takes me like eight seconds to get down yeah. into the hole. I'm just not that built for squats. It doesn't do much for, like, my mm-hmm. quads. I would much favor like one rotation being say like a hack squat and the other rotation being like a pendulum or something. But I do one back squat or safety bar and then one hack squat. So I kind of have to do it the same with pressing. Like we don't have any machines. So it's either flat bench, incline bench, flat dumbbell, yeah. incline dumbbell. You know what I mean? So I've just kind of got, yeah. got to work around it. But what I would say is that like by doing that and just being like really consistent with like the big three, because obviously, you know, like we know, like you don't need to do like the so-called big three and like a yeah. back squat, deadlifts, um, bench. Like you should be doing variations, but you don't need to do them. But obviously, like I'm not that suited to them. But since I don't have access to the equipment, I've just kind of been consistent with them and then ended yeah. up getting okay at them. Okay. <laughs> okay at them. Yeah. You're strong, to be fair. You are very strong. Like I've just started squatting for the first time and then like I'm still trying to figure out like with like where it's from my feet and stuff like do I put my toes out yeah. so much because I found if I have a wider stance and my toes point out a bit more I can get a bit more depth but I feel like that takes away all of the the kind of this I thought stress like on the quads kind of thing yeah. I feel like my adductors and my, my glutes are just firing so much more than my quads and then I try narrow stance and my, my angle ability isn't actually too bad like it's not it, it for the, how long my legs are it is decent but it's it needs to be even better to actually for me to be yeah. able to squat deep with a narrow stance. So that's another thing I'll touch up on, like mobility for a taller. Like we've talked about before the podcast. You were like, I don't know do mobility. <laughs> but like, yeah, like in terms of like my squat, like obviously it takes ages to get deep enough. And like, I just can't go any deep. Like I get like maybe like just below parallel, but like mm-hmm. for me, like everyone goes on about nowadays, kind of like the trendy terms, like active range of motion. But like for yeah. me, I just can't, I can't go any deeper. Like, so like, I've just kind of, I did do some sort of mobility, like in terms, not like mobility, but just like 
I like before legs, I like I take ages warming up my like groin hip flexor and that just yeah. to make sure that I can get depth. Um, obviously, like being tall, it's not great for squatting, but like I said, I don't have much choice. But like being like consistent with it and like doing it for ages, I ended up getting up to, like it's not strong, but it's like it's decent and it's better than like when I my squat was only like five kilo more than my bench. Yeah, <laughs> mate, that's me at the minute when I first started squatting. I think like. Pfft. I don't know if I could even push like 130. I never tried my squatting to be fair. I'm, I think next week I'm going to try a one rep, one, one rep max. So I'll see I what I can get. But like maxing out squat. No. I, and the thing is as well, I prefer, we talked about it on Instagram. Like I'm preferring front squats over back squats at the minute. Yeah, I just feel like the suit, I don't know why. I think the upright posture and stuff just, it feels a lot more comfortable. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know. It's I don't know if it's me because I've had so I've had a slip vertebra in my back since I was 12 and I had problems with it. So I don't know if I just feel like mentally feel more confident because I'm more upright or I don't know yeah um but another thing I've seen you started doing it a little bit is the little heel wedge when you squat yeah we talked about that as well so explain yeah so like as like we were saying that my ankle mobility is like is shy so I kind of got I kind of like fannied around with like squat shoes you know like the Olympic lifting shoes with like that elevated heel yeah just because like when you've got the elevated heel you've got more of a chance of getting a bit deeper more increased range of motion Mm -hmm. Not a big fan of the of the squat shoes, so I got one of those like just like a seven pound yoga wedge off Amazon just to get my heels elevated. And I'm quite a big fan of it. I've only been using it for like a month, but mm-hmm. it's helping. And then plus I find I can like again, like you were saying, you don't like using the pen, but like focus a lot more on my quad because that allows me to like create more knee flexion and drive my knees over my toes. Mm-hmm. And I've been feeling like a lot better. Like I've actually been getting a pump on my quads after a set of back squats, for example, as opposed yeah. to like just like feeling nothing so but I think with you like you're saying obviously like back squats that you're still quite new to them it's one of them things like once you kind of keep doing them consistently like you you will eventually get more comfortable at doing them mm-hmm. but everyone's had that point where you're benching like 80 kilo and you're squatting 90 yeah I know it's not <laughs> it's not back, ideal like, squatting 90 like 90 for like a triple and my bench was like 80 for a triple actually. yeah <laughs> I know it's great. That's the same as me. Like at the minute, it's just ridiculous. But like, I've, I've never, I've literally never back squat before. It's been a lot of split squats, like rear foot elevated split squats. I was big on, just because I feel well because of the injuries I've had, and also I, for for anybody who's playing football, like for pretty much full time, like five six days a week, I'm not big on loading the spine in season. So like back squats, or anything, yeah. I'm big on, I'm big on like dumbbell split squats or trap bar deadlifts is a big one. I'm big on like for anybody as well, just. Just because in season, because they added load, the amount of, especially for goalkeepers, if you're training on like the plastic stuff, the AstroTurf, like your spine's taking a thump in anyway. And so I think at that, the end of the day, like if you're playing football five, six days a week, mm-hmm. chances are that's your main priority over the gym anyway. Yeah. It's not like because if your gym's the main priority, you're not going to be playing football six times a week, are you? You know what I mean? No, the, football, the gym will just be supplementing football. So there's no point in like the you said, yourself and then your yeah. performance. Shy, yeah, so. the gym's just there for like prehab and just maintenance more than anything and obviously yeah. when the season comes I'll have to back up it's been nice obviously during lockdown and stuff just being able to actually hammer like loads of leg, leg training just because I've got yeah. that time to um, still doing conditioning stuff as well but no it's been uh, it's good to get under the bar for the first time because it's uh, yeah. I, always used to, I used, used to be scared of it I was a little, I was a little, little pussy when yeah, I was a little, a little pad for your neck on the bar. Yeah, well. <laughs> so I'm not doing that. I'll never, I'll never. Yeah, that's a, that's another point actually to make. The pad for your neck is not. Don't use it on your neck. The only thing that's no, good no. for is hip thrusts. Just don't use it. 
Just don't. I think <laughs> it's a mistake that people make when they first start squatting. I did it as well. Is that you? You put the bar right on top of your neck and yeah. it pinches, and the people are like, "Oh, it's so sore." It's like, well, no, it's not. Once you learn that you actually just kind of rest. Yeah, it's there. just people are like sitting on it, like the whole yeah. it like that, and they're not engaging yeah, any sort of on the neck skin, and it's like pinching. I'm like, well, yeah, of course that's gonna hurt. But yeah. then, like, like for example, like. When I first started squatting, I probably found that more painful than when I was able to, like, when I squatted like 200 kilo, like, I didn't feel it sore yeah. at all. Just uh-huh. on your back. Feels heavy, like, don't get me wrong. It feels fucking heavy, <laughs> but it's not sore. You know what I mean? So. It gets easier. But no, I think we've covered everything there, mate. But last thing to finish off the three questions. I don't know if you've had a think about them, because I obviously said, oh, I'll give you a heads up with them. I should have thought about them more. Like. Yeah, the three <laughs> questions. So the first one three people you'd like to invite around for dinner, past or present. Tough one, this. Tough Very one. tough. I was trying to think about people in the past, and I say, there's no one I can really think of. So, David Attenborough, he's an absolute legend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell you all, all the stories. Oh, it's hard, this. Like, yeah, David Attenborough. Conor McGregor. Just yeah, because he, he'd be McGregor. Like, and, torn between the last two. Either someone like... Can you can, can have four of them. Oh, right. Even, yeah, yeah. Jeff Bezos, he's so minted, just like ask him about business. Pick his stuff. brains, yeah. And then someone like Ronaldo or Messi, just because they're the best in the world at football, and it's cool. Yeah, and it'd be just be cool to say, like, oh, yeah, Ronaldo was around my house the other day. That's decent. I yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, decent, decent. Well, I'll follow them. You can have, in fact, you can't have Ronaldo or Messi, so you, you're going to have to pick Ronaldo or Messi. Ronaldo, because I don't think Messi speaks English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to be fair, I don't even know if he does. <laughs> And Ronaldo loves the gym as well. That's a little plus. You could yeah, probably train with Ronaldo after. And then, next question, three people you'd want to train with. Yeah, I'll try and keep this, like, instead of going, oh, yeah, Ronnie Coleman, Tony Nunes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and keep it a bit different. So, Jordan Peters, again, a bit yeah. basic, but you know, the intensity the guy trains at, I'd be sick to just, like, witness that. Um, yeah. Chris Bomstead, because... Everyone loves Crystal. That's the thing, I don't want to like train with like IFBB pros. It doesn't really interest me, but yeah. Something like Bob said, and then um even though he's not like a big yeah, probably like, someone like AJ Morris, even though he's not like a big like IFBB pro or something, you know, he's like yeah. big in the natural bodybuilding scene, trains hard. So I think someone like AJ Morris He does a lot of volume as well, doesn't he? He does quite a bit of like for a natural natural athlete I swear he does like, quite a bit amount, yeah but he still does like the high intensity yeah the high intensity yeah because I've just seen it was um I think oh, Josh Bridgman done a, yeah Josh Bridgman done a video or something about AJ Marsh he said he trained with him once he trained like yeah. a leg day with him and he said the volume yeah. that he done just killed him but obviously quick point to make everyone's volume threshold and stuff's completely different so yeah. just got to try and find what works best for you and then the last thing one thing you'd say to yourself five years ago Tough on this. <laughs> um, Very tough one. I'd probably say, I'd probably link it to the whole thing about food and like, just don't be weird and like, be scared of eating like dietary fat or like unhealthy foods or something. You know what I mean? Just like, be way more relaxed with your approach to nutrition. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, don't be scared of like doing things like that because it definitely like, didn't ruin it, but it definitely took away the fun for me in like my first couple of years at university because it was just like, like, play with my mind a lot so and obviously like your university years are meant to be like the best years of your life and you don't get them back so yeah just be a bit more relaxed to your food and just kind of enjoy yourself more so that would be uh, what i'd say like, decent mate. Spot on. no that's been great do you want to shout out your like social medias or anything where people can find you 
Yeah, so um, easiest place to probably get me would be Instagram, and it's just andrewgoodlid97, all lowercase, and then, yeah, that's that's really it. I don't work with, like, Twitter or anything, so. Yeah, I'm the same, mate. I deleted Twitter, like, five years ago, and I'm just not interested. Never had it. Not interested in it, but no, that's been spot on, mate. Thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me on, man. I enjoyed it. It was good. Cheers. Cheers, mate. So thank you very much if you listened to this full episode. Thanks for making it this far. And thank you, Andrew, for coming on the episode. It's been good to have a little bit of a different kind of approach away from kind of the sports-specific and strength and conditioning side, more to do with bodybuilding, but definitely some tips and tricks that everybody can pick up on there. So if you haven't already, get following Andrew on Instagram. And also if you haven't followed my Instagram, it's down below. YouTube's on there, Facebook's on there, and LinkedIn if you are interested in that as well. Get subscribed to the podcast as well if you haven't already. It means a lot to me if you just click that button. And also if you could leave a five-star review, that's only if you enjoyed the podcast, obviously. So that means a lot to me if you could do that. Also, if you could do me a big favor and just tell one friend about the podcast, that would mean the world as well to try and spread the word and pass on the knowledge that the guests on the podcast will bring and also help other people. So thank you very much again for listening. This has been Process.